It's 1.06 p.m. and you're tuned in to the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. I'll be joined in studio by Daily Maverick reporter Greg Nicholson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I hope you were listening to the last show about the Dacha couple. I, I certainly was. <laughs> I know you were in, Mas- I know you were in Maseru last week. Did you come back with any Durban poison? No, we didn't come back with anything. But the industry there is quite big, we've heard. And we did see did see quite a few people partaking. Okay, I know I know you can't say it on air, but Greg's winking at me. So I think, I think <laughs> you know, we'll take this off air. Uh, but Greg, today we're actually going to be talking about, about small business in South Africa. Legal um, small business. Legal small business in South Africa. Now, it's been a big focus in the President's State of the Nation, in, in the Premier's SOPA address in Gauteng. And I mean, I think one question is just why, why is there so much focus on small business? Why, why should we care? I think there are two things. Yeah. Um, first, let me start with the issue of job creation and employment in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the economy in South Africa needs a boost to to alleviate the triple threats of poverty, unemployment, and inequality. And as, and and the small business sector has been identified as one of the key um, opportunities in creating jobs and building the economy. And it's also underperforming. So that's the that's a sector that it's universally recognised that we need to target. Okay, so it's really it, about the potential for it to contribute. To that's right. That's right. And to, to and to really to really sort of alleviate some of the problems that South Africa is facing right now. But then. So that's been around for a long time. Yeah. This year, it's really coming to focus, um, not only because the ANC government needs to start showing a lot more action in, in developing the economy, but because of the xenophobic tax in on stores in Soweto and other townships around Gauteng. Uh, what we saw there is is the state really classified as criminal activity, mm. um, motivated by, I think, anger over the success of foreign-owned business stores, particularly spas and yeah. supermarkets. Yeah. And, and then they, then what it sort of really brought about, and President Zuma mentioned this, I think in his, um, State of the Nation address replies, is that South African businesses and township businesses are particularly suffering from under certain conditions, particularly, um, that, that are legacies of apartheid. Yeah. During the apartheid period and, and even earlier through the colonial period, but, but there's much more focus on the apartheid period, there's a problem where, Competition, economic competition was stifled within, within townships where it was, um, most, most businesses, you almost sort of, you run particularly a bottle shop or maybe a spaza, but yeah. then there was a little competition to really help, um, to, to really help, uh, businesses grow. And so South Africans in the democratic era have been said to, to lack those sort of, that, that history and culture of, of starting businesses and entrepreneurial activity and being used to competing with, um, with the best in their industry. And, and, what, and what we've seen is these foreigners come in and really they, they do have a culture. They come from areas with a strong culture of entrepreneurial okay. activity where they, they through, through communal and family networks, they're able to build industries um, in, in different countries like we've seen it around the world and, and dominate these industries. And so it's really sort of thrown the light on, on the question, how do we make South African business successful? And then how do we help that um, alleviate some of South Africa's toughest problems? Okay, so we're seeing... Uh, we, we've recently, not recently, but a year ago, we, we had a new minister created, um, the, the Ministry of Small Business Development, with Lindiwe Zulu at the helm. Has I know it's only been about a year. Has has there been any developments? Have they had time to actually do anything? It's it, it's difficult to say. There definitely has been some development. But if you don't mind, first I'd like to go through some stats yeah. on the state of small please, business please, in South please, Africa. Yeah, give us some context. And this comes from the minister, Minister Zulu herself. Yes. Um, she last year she was addressing a conference and she just sort of said that. 
the failure rates among small SMMEs um, is really, really hurting local businesses and industry. Mm. For example, 37% of SMS, SMMEs, um, 37% of small businesses have a chance of surviving four years. 10% have a chance of surviving 10 years. And 70 to 80% um, do not survive their first year, which I think is quite shocking. Um, currently, currently, uh, small business contributes 35% to our GDP, and that really needs to be raised to 60 to 80% is the government's target. But if you don't mind, if, if you can stick with me on the stats. Please, please. So, but there's other studies that have shown that less, less than 14% of South Africans um, plan to start a business in the next three years, and that's 13% b- below the global average. And then in 2012, if you look at the entire activity in the small business sector, yeah. it took a 20% drop. So what we're really seeing is the industry, which can really, really help uh, South Africa address some of its key challenges, is one of the industries that's, that's, that's really suffering right now. I mean, the one that really stuck out for me, that 80% of small businesses are not surviving there. That's true. First year. That's I mean. true. And, and, and what they really need is support. The government needs to, needs to focus much more on giving these businesses support. And we need, we need to ask the question is why are they, aren't they surviving? That has been one of, um, um, Minister, Minister Zulu's first, um, first aim is, is to really just understand the situation. And she and, uh, and a lot of other provincial departments have been traveling around the country looking at some of these issues and just trying to understand exactly what's wrong and what can we do. I mean, looking at the, there's the ease of doing business. Um, index that, that's run globally and some of the sort of micro things that are coming up in this is, is things like getting credit is, is being listed as difficulty, getting electricity, um, registering a business. I know you've been reporting from some of the townships during the, the xenophobic violence. Is the, is the anecdotal evidence, is it similar to this? Is the, are these the kinds of challenges that, that, that businesses are running on? Yeah, yeah, m- most definitely I think, particularly the aspect of getting credit. Yeah. Um, actually Greg, I'll just stop you there for a second. We have, uh, just about to come on air, um, Incubation manager at Away to Project, Gareth Taylor. Um, Away to does some great work in, in, in recruiting or identifying, incubating, and then investing in small business. Gareth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Now we've just been running through the stats about small businesses in the country and, and they're quite worrying. Um, one statistic is telling us that 80% of small businesses are, are shutting down within their first year. Um, are you seeing, are you seeing this on the ground? What's your experience in, in trying to get small businesses off the ground? Yeah, I can see there, there, are, there are a lot of complications with, uh, with small businesses. I mean, uh, as you mentioned with the stats, there's a number of guys that, are, that their businesses are shutting down 80% yeah. in the first year and mm. a couple later on. I think it goes up to like 90% after three years. So there are definitely a lot of complications and guys are definitely struggling. Um, but that isn't to say it's impossible. You know, it's not to say that it's difficult. It's rather if you know how to do it and you prepare to, to take the plunge and you have someone there to help you, it obviously makes it a lot better and a lot easier. Absolutely. Before we get into how, how to overcome, I'd just be, I'd be interested, what, what are some of the challenges that your, your entrepreneurs are, are stating as the reasons why they might close up shop? So with all small businesses, the number one issue is obviously cash flow. Um, cash flow is the life flow of, of your business. And, and many entrepreneurs, they don't, they don't have the financial management and the cash management experience to be able to know how to manage their, their finances and often then will run into cash flow issues and the business will then uh, close down. So that's, generally speaking, that's the, the, the biggest one. Um, the one that we often hear about mm-hmm. is funding, where when people come to us, they're like, oh, yeah, we really want funding. We really want to try and get funding for our businesses. Okay. But the issue, the issue in SA is not that there isn't funding. The issue here is that access to funding. Individuals don't necessarily have the ability to be able to access that funding because they don't know how to put together their business plan properly. They don't know how to speak the language. 
they don't know how, as I mentioned, to do the whole financial management, um, and they don't have a track record. So that all prevents them from being able to have access to funding. So those are, are two of the bigger ones. And then obviously the, the ones that, um, that people would speak about and, and, and is often in the news are, are the labor-related issues and the red tape and the compliance. Okay, so I mean, I like this, not I like, but I'm interested in this idea of, of the lack of access to credit. And so what I'm hearing from you is that there is a lot of credit available for, for small businesses, but there's a, there's a missing link there between the small businesses and the, and the big credit providers. So how are you, how are you filling that gap? How are you getting the, the small businesses access to this funding and credit? So there's a couple of different ways that we do it. Yeah. Um, we have two main divisions in our in our in our company. One is the, the the incubator, where we have a micro business incubator, and the other side is our investment fund, where we speak um, more about small businesses. Mm-hmm. So I'll touch on the incubator first. There we work with individuals who are really passionate about entrepreneurship and want to start a business. Um, but many people come in and they want to start a business with. That definitely requires a hundred thousand rand or a million rand or five million rand, yeah. but they don't yet have that track record. So we say to them, you know, the principles that you learn and the skills that you learn when um, running a micro business are exactly the same to a large degree as the skills and experience that you need to run a small or medium business. So come and work with us. Come through a six-month incubation program with us, uh, where you'll start up a micro business in the program. You'll have that support. You'll have the business training and business coaching. And uh, by the end of that, all that experience and all the knowledge that you've, that you've learned from, from starting up a micro-business can then be transferred into any other business that you then start after that. And then you have that track record. Okay. Uh, you know how to set up a business plan. You're able to access funding. Okay, so one of the key way there is, is just getting them that when they are then going through the funding and for the credit, they can say, I've run a small business of this much revenue over this much time. And you think that boosts their chances of, of successfully accessing the funding? Yeah, so by then having that type of track record, yeah. knowing how to speak the language, knowing how to manage their finances, mm. they're in a better position to be able to access that kind of funding. Where beforehand, they can't speak the language, they don't know what it is they're applying for, they don't know how to put a business plan together. Often they pay people to put the business plan together for them, yeah. um, but then when they quizzed on it, then they don't know how to answer any of the questions and they see straight through that and like, well, hang on. You know, this actually isn't your plan. Okay. Gareth, this is Greg here. Um, I was just wondering, uh, on, on these issues, um, why is it that, that so many people don't know the basics of these business issues? Is it, is it problems with our education program not teaching basic, uh, basic business, um, strategies and management? Or, or do we have some sort of problem in South Africa where we just have a lack of understanding of entrepreneurial activity? Um, Greg, how's it? Um, sure. I think, I think there are, num- there, there are a number of different issues here. Um, one is, is there's a lack of, well, we know that South Africa has one of the lowest total entrepreneurial activity rates uh, in, in the world. Uh, we really don't rank uh, very well when compared to sub- other sub-Saharan African countries or to other developing countries. And there are a number of reasons for this. As you mentioned, the education, I think a large part of it is our education and the apartheid educa- education that was received under apartheid mm-hmm. for the majority of South Africans. There's also a lack of role models. We're in the communicate in the communities. There aren't enough people who have um, started successful businesses. All the, the entrepreneurs that they see are the survivalist entrepreneurs that you'll see on the corner who aren't necessarily doing that well. And as a result, there's there's this impression that entrepreneurship is the last option rather than one of the mm-hmm. first options. Something okay. that you can really go into for financial freedom. Hmm. Um, that that you can see a business as an asset rather than you going into this because there aren't any options at the end of the day. So I think there are a number of issues. 
Um, I'm not sure if I addressed the question completely, though, Greg. No, no, that's fine. And can you tell us about the success rate uh, Oweto has in dealing with some of these some of these entrepreneurs? So, in the incubator that we have now, which we've just revamped, we have, out of the 30 entrepreneurs that we started with in uh, October last year, we now have 25 new jobs that we've created, and uh, those businesses are generating, at the end of December, they were generating 1.8 million additional revenue um, than they had been than had been going and being generated in the economy. So really strong results there. In our investment fund, we started 25 businesses in March last year. And the way that we go about starting our businesses is that we put in a small amount of funding at the start to see whether a prototype is successful and whether we can find a product market fit. And very cheaply and very quickly, then we're able to be able to tell whether this business is going to be successful or not. Mm. Um, so very quickly, we were able to tell that three of those businesses, our business ideas, weren't that viable, and the other 22 businesses then have been running and are successful and are still going today. And, and Gareth, we we're talking a little bit earlier about the introduction of the Small uh, Business Development Ministry. What's your take on government's approach to small to small business and the introduction of the new ministry? So I think government definitely does see that small business is definitely the way to, to go forward. Um, one of our big things and one of our mantras are that the WIPS project is trying to solve the problem of the missing middle. Mm-hmm. You know, where there is a problem of a missing small and medium enterprise sector here in South Africa, which would normally um, contribute to between 50 and 60% of the GDP and 50% of employment. And government is, is doing a lot to try and add, to, to try and solve this problem and to try and uh, make sure that we are encouraging new business growth and that small businesses are coming up. I think uh, one of the big issues are the, the compliance side and the labor-related side. Where you see in countries where there are more, where there's more entrepreneurial activity, is that there, there isn't as much uh, legislation in place that makes it difficult for these businesses to come up. So I think we have to try and address this issue. Um, but obviously, there, there are other, other complications that make it quite difficult for us to address as well. And, and what sort of legislation might help small and medium-sized businesses? Would it be would it be just a cutting of red tape, or, or do you think the sort of labour laws are, are perhaps too too stringent or too strong and cumbersome on on young entrepreneurs or new new entrepreneurs? So, I mean, from from the compliance side, the government has done done, done a lot of nice work on the tax side with okay. micro businesses, which really helps to simplify it for for small and micro businesses. Um, but I think definitely on the labor related side, you know, with the issues with the unions, they're people, as soon as there's a, there's a wage negotiation or there's a minimum wage that is struck in one specific industry, it, it forces down right the way through to small and micro businesses. Mm. And they, when, when you're starting up a business and it's that size, you just, you just can't afford to pay those kinds of salaries necessarily. So I do definitely think that there needs to be some sort of strata where there is, you know, if you're in a micro business, if you're in a medium business, or if you're in a large corporate uh, business, where there are these uh, stringent rules which are on place, because obviously we, we want to make sure that, that our labor force is not being taken advantage of. But the problem is that now there are a whole lot of businesses and there are a whole lot of, uh, of enterprises that could be started up, but because labor is too expensive, they're not able to do so. Um, and that's the issue. So I do definitely think that Having this kind of strata approach um, where micro or small businesses could potentially fall into a different sector um, from a wage perspective, I don't necessarily think it would, would cannibalize, but rather think there would be a whole lot more businesses that would be started up. Mm. And people who are currently unemployed 
would be prepared to then take that lower wage to be able to get in and to be able to have that, that income that they would otherwise not be able to get access to. Mm-hmm. And Gareth, um, so for just some advice, I guess, for new entrepreneurs out there, is it absolutely necessary to go through an incubator? Um, like, can, can you survive uh, outside of an incubator, or, or, or is it? Is it? Would you advise? And obviously, you work for a where to, but, <laughs> but, 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 would, but would you definitely advise going to an incubator? What are, What are the the pros and cons of of incubation programs? So, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be biased here. Um, <laughs> Entrepreneurship. Maybe then you should just tell us the cons. (laughs) Can you think of any? (laughs) I was saying maybe you could just tell us the cons, the negatives. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'll get to some of the cons. Um, Entrepreneurship is not something that can be taught. It's something that has to be learned. It's like riding a bike. You know, you're not you're not going to learn how to ride a bike by looking at a flip chart or or doing some reading. and many of us were fortunate enough that do ride bicycles or have ridden bicycles to have someone there alongside us to to help us, to to encourage us, to motivate us when we fall down, to to show us how we need to, to steer and pedal and do all of those things at the same time. But the thing is that it's not that person that's pedaling for you. You know, at the end of the day, you're the one that has to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely can go out and do it for yourself. And many individuals have gone out and done it themselves. Um so, no, it's definitely possible. Con side, um, so obviously uh, some, some of the incubators, sometimes you, you'd have to yield up some equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, many entrepreneurs are not happy about that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, do you want to be uh, king or do you want to be wealthy? You know, you can, you can be king of your little pie that's going to be worth 100 rand or you can be wealthy and own 10% of something that ends up being worth a million rand. So that's also uh, the, 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 uh, something that needs to be weighed up there. Some of the other cons, um, struggling to think of any at the moment. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's more than enough, Geth. My final question, I'm just based on your success in that way too. If I'm not mistaken, you're only in Gauteng at the moment. Do you think the model you've got going now is something we can roll out across the country? Absolutely. I think uh, this is definitely something that we could be rolling out across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a practical solution to this entrepreneurial issue where, you know, individuals don't necessarily, when people are matriculating, they're not necessarily able to, to enter the job market. They're not necessarily going to be um, getting into university. Uh, entrepreneurship is a viable alternative for those individuals as long as they have someone who's along with them to, to walk the road with them mm-hmm. and to be able to help them and guide them and assist them in doing so. And now we're able to turn people uh, who otherwise would have not been able to provide for themselves now, not only provide for themselves, but potentially become job creators and employers as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Gareth. Um, uh, That's all we have time for, but uh, keep up the great work you're doing over there, Oetsu. Awesome. Thank you, Kingsley. Thank you, Greg. And Gareth, just finally, for our listeners out there, I was wondering, um, can can you suggest a way how how to get in touch with the where to? So... um, for anyone who's interested in uh, joining the incubator, they can send um, yes, send the word yes to 45345, or else they can have a look at our website. Uh, that's project singular, .co.za, and they'll be able to find out a whole lot of information on there and our contact details, etc. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Gareth. Um, awesome. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. Now, Greg, we're hearing a lot about, about Awetu's approach. Um, this, the word incubation came, came up a lot. I mean, that sounded familiar in that, um, 
in the state of the province address by, by the Premier, there was a mention of, of incubation being a big way they were going to revitalize the township economy. Um, the, the city of Joburg has set aside billions. Um, some more has been set aside in Swane. Um, and it sounds like based on what their way to project is saying that incubation is a, is a key part or a quite helpful way to, to boost business. No, I think so. I think like Gareth was saying that, um, often, excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. Often, often I think, um, in, in our society, uh, we're still lacking certain entrepreneurial skills and, and a culture of competitive entrepreneurship. And I think it's really important that the government has now recognized that, that we really need to upskill, um, um, aspiring entrepreneurs and, and existing in small, um, and medium sized businesses. Um, I think you've got the figures there, but it's, they're, they're, they're investing qu- quite a lot of money in, in upskilling these, these young entrepreneurs. And I think that can only be a positive thing. We just have to, one of the things we have to make sure and, and note is that these incubator, incubation programs that the government is either launching or supporting are efficient and successful. And we're not, we're not wasting money on what looks like a good idea, but, but, it, but in fact isn't effective. I mean, yeah, I mean, you mentioned I do have the stats. Um, I mean, one, one key, a uh, name that's popped up here is the NYDA, and they've set up a 2.7 billion rand fund for young people. Now, I mean, um, I don't want to be too cynical, but we know some of the issues we've had with the NYDA in the past. <laughs> so I think it's that that issue we have between between intent and execution, mm. right? So I mean, the stats look promising on paper, but you know, can we count? Can we count on this money actually getting to the young people? Can we count on it being executed efficiently? The the, the government, both both at national and provincial, and even even some municipal level as well, have set up key partnerships where they're trying to trying to deal with incubation programs and different upskilling programs. And frankly, it's too important to fail and waste money. Absolutely. Sorry, Greg. I'll just I'll just make you hold for a second. We've got on the line to Tuko Shezi. Rather than listening to this Greg and I talking, we've got an actual entrepreneur on the phone. Um, Shazi, you've set up quite a lot of businesses and have been quite successful, so we really want to get your perspective. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kingsley. How are you, how are you Good, guys? good. I was worried you wouldn't be able to make time. You'd be too busy out there making money. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> talking to you, man. Perfect. Thanks for making time, Shazi. So, Shazi, we're just talking about the, the state of small business in, in SA, and we're, and we're going through some of the challenges entrepreneurs face and some of the things that that government and other incubators can do to help them out. So I'm curious about your experience. I mean, I mean, what what challenges have you faced in the in the in the setting up of multiple businesses that that you've done? Um. Okay. Okay. I've I've done a, quite a, a few businesses yeah. uh, since since varsity days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> from varsity days, I did uh, video gaming machines. You know, those arcade games where you <laughs> yeah. one rand address. Uh, then in Joburg, I've done uh, gardening service. And then the, the most successful business that I've started yeah. was is, is Christ Mobile. It's mm-hmm. still running today. It really uh, pays the bills to this day, uh, which is a, an also a mobile scratch repair business. Mm, absolutely. And what what are the, some of the yes. common challenges that have popped up as you set up some of these businesses? What what are common challenges that you face? May it be credit, may it be labor relations issues. What are some things that that pop up and get in your way? I I think the biggest thing that every business needs, yeah. you know, before that there's always a, a trouble for everyone. Mm. It's not really finance, you know. It's, it's it's finding customers. I think that's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that people need to need to get. Because um, if if you cannot reach the customer, you know, if even if you do have the funding, uh, that 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 uh, that funding will go down the drain uh, if you if you if you Cannot reach the customer. 
absolutely. So now reach, reaching the customer it takes takes there's a few things. Either mm. if you've got a direct line to the customer, yeah. you, you need marketing, and marketing in South Africa is very expensive. You know, to put an advert together, get it played on radio or or TV, uh, can cost thousands. You know, and for small businesses, that that can be really prohibitive. So that's 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 really the main 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 challenge that that that. Uh, small business people face. And Shazi, you're speaking to Greg here. I was just wondering, yeah, when, when you're looking at your business ideas, it seems to, seems to me that you've gone into certain, perhaps maybe you'd say unglamorous industries where, where you find a lot of young people out there these days who simply want to set up a, a fashion label or their own music label or, you know, one of these things that's associated with quite, you know, with quite, labels. <laughs> with labels. I know, I, I know. And, 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 and so, so how do you, how do you identify a business there where there will be a customer base and, and, and avoid going into what you just, what you think would be cool or what you're interested in? I think for me, uh, what, what I, what I have found, like for example, I'll say, I'll, I'll take my example. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a qualified uh, electromechanical engineer uh, from UCT, and I've got the graduation photograph to prove it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope so. These days, you need to have the evidence. Oh, yeah. We don't know if a photograph okay. proves it. We might have to call the institution oh, on yeah. the line. Oh, you, know, yeah. just, <laughs> you never know these days. Uh, no. uh, and, but... And I, and I worked in consulting and management consulting with Accenture, mm. a reputable company. You know, getting paid lots of money. You know, in my days, I was I was able to afford lots of things. But but I decided to go into panel beating. You know, which is not looked at as very sexy. Mm. You know, it is looked at as a as a as a as a dirty business. You know, where, where as in where where people of certain stature mm. uh, shouldn't be seen and doing. And, and I'd imagine all your family and friends are wondering what you're doing, going from this highly paid or, or what I'd imagine is a good corporate job into panel beating. They must have been shocked. True, uh, they, 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 they were concerned. Really, they were concerned uh, from my career counselors, from my from some of my friends. They wouldn't obviously some of them wouldn't really voice it. But those industries like plumbing, you know, plumbing and panel beating, all these artisanal. Artisanal industry, you yeah. know, like I had a plumber in my house at a day, did a four-hour job trying to find a leak. He sent me a bill for three thousand rand, you know, just for a lousy two, three-hour job. You know, because I, I can't do it myself. Uh, but here's this guy, got a few machines, puts thing, this thing here, puts this thing there, leaves an invoice, you know, and 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 for for for, for South Africans, even the education, I still think that. Really, for the South Africans to really take take over the economy, that's the, that's the, that's what we need to do. You know, take take over those artisanal invoice rights. Okay, Shazi, I want to talk a bit about incubation. I know you did some work with with Endeavor. I'm not sure if that was full incubation, but I'd like to hear from you if you think the the incubation process or option is something that's helpful for small business. Um, do you think it's best to do it alone? What do you think of that? Um, I think the incubation stuff is is key. Okay. Uh, I, I think it, it is key, but I think also more key is, is 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 finding someone who can be able to you can be able to understudy or learn from you know because okay. people may, may make a lot of mistakes uh, uh, that have been made before unnecessarily and then if if one really can find if you want to do go into panel beating find someone who's doing panel beating spend a, a, a two two three months working.
ever can ever do because that's that's that proper incubation is really looking at someone do it and yeah. then learning from them and then and learning how you can do it better. I think there is no better incubation than that. Okay. And, and Which is what is lacking in our incubation space in South Africa at the moment. Okay. And Shazi, can you tell us about some of those key lessons you learnt from the, the, where others have failed before that you learned early on in, in business, which have helped you? And also, can you just give us a bit of a sense of the size of the businesses that you're doing now? Um, do you have employees, uh, yeah, and so on? Yeah, I've got about twenty-eight employees. Thirty-eight mm-hmm. at the moment. Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Wow, that's still yeah, a lot. Yeah. On the on the on the panel between business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, we're making uh, not, not a lot, it's a couple of million around a year. Mm-hmm. Not so bad. A uh, couple of million the rest of, than the rest of us. A couple of million yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 I think it, 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 I think people need to be patient. You know, I've always uh, been impatient with myself at times. You know, and my mentor was saying, because at the moment, you know, you need to build. You know, only when you're 40, are you supposed to, in your 40s, are you supposed to, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. For now, I slave away. I don't make a lot. You know, I just make enough to 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 live and uh, live an, an okay lifestyle. Uh, but but I think I'm I'm con- I'm I'm content that what I'm doing at the moment is just building. You know, at, at some point, at some point, then I'll be. I'll be okay, I hear you. I I came across something online that you wrote a few years ago. I hope you won't kill me for bringing this up, but you wrote in an article that you wrote, for, I think, for Cassie Economics, and you said, "I would like the honourable minister to get a new advisor on small business policy. The minimum qualification should be someone who has run a spaza shop for at least one month and made a profit." I mean, is that? I, I, do you feel? I mean, I think it's clear that you think there's a big disconnect between the people designing policy and rolling policy out, and the people on the ground and what they actually need. Could you say some more about that? I, I agree fully that yeah. because because if I, I think the, the policy guys must even the minister of trade industry must just just take take one week or yeah. one month, you know, leave the office in Pretoria, come and work with an entrepreneur. And go to and see and see them battling to pay salaries, you know, yeah. at month end. See them trying to find that extra hundred rand just to pay the one last employee. So then they can really they can really uh, be able to, to to draft policies that that can be that can be, can be really attuned to to what we're doing on the ground. I mean, so I it's hear tough. I was, it's, I was tough as an entrepreneur on the ground in South Africa. You know, sometimes people say. It's even easier in Ghana and all the other places. You know, sometimes you know one is to 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 to, to really maybe uh, maybe succeed in Ghana first and then come back in South Africa having succeeded. You know, but this is our country. You know, we have every right to succeed in this country. Okay, absolutely. Now, I just want to quickly talk about um, another initiative you started, um, our Project Excellence. I think formerly known as Buy Black. Um, could you tell us a bit about that and how you think it can tie into boosting small black business? I think the, the what we what we what we are, we are trying to do yeah. with, with, with Bar Black really is is to say how do we how do we how do we harness the power of 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 of, of black consumers yeah. and even consumers of other races to 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 say to make a conscious decision and say for me to make a lasting contribution to the economic transformation of South Africa I need to Buy from black-owned businesses, and 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 make sure that wherever they have a chance of 
of, of buying their loaf of bread from a black guy instead of the guy who's already established, who doesn't need the extra one red, that is the channel that spending. Much as we are trying to get corporates to do it, you know, we are putting laws to make corporates do it. Absolutely. But uh, most importantly, that, that, that personal decision where you, there is no law that says you need to do it, where you consciously do it without any expectation of, of, of a return. To say, let me go and support this filling station, which is black-owned in my age, because the guy is paying off a loan from the IDC, if he ever got one. You know, because maybe the other guy got a, got a soft loan from his uncle, you know, free of charge. Whereas other guy is, 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 is fighting a mountain of debt, of debt and having to, to, to still succeed. You know, so that's, that's the challenge that we, we're trying to solve. And we're trying to create a community of people who think in the same way. You know, black or white, who think in exactly the same way to say, let me make economic transformation start with me. Let me start with my wallet. And, and, and when I'm going out to, to eat, decide, where do I want to go eat? Uh, do I go to an established place and, uh, where they don't need my money anyway? Or do I go where I'm needed? And I think that's just the question that we, we try to make people to be conscientized about. And Shizzy, from, from what I understand of the Buy Black Project, the aim was to link consumers looking for a particular good, let's say, restaurants in the Mabuneng district, um, yes. with, with, uh, black, uh, black owned businesses. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, about that process, what you learnt about the state of black owned business? Because I, from some of my friends who participated, it sounded like it was quite shocking that, you know, you might want to go to a super, a black owned supermarket in, you know, the Santon area or something. And then, and then you realize how few black owned supermarkets there actually are. They're not any. Then, then, in Santon, you won't find any black owned supermarket. In the whole of Santon, hmm. the closest you're going to find a black owned supermarket is, uh, is in, um, uh, next to Tim, a place called Ivory Park. Okay, and, it's, it's, a shock, it's a shocking state, you know. That we did we did proper research where we tried to identify uh, the various companies who from the various chains whose which 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 chain has got which which chains have got which black employees, and that's, that's information that you easily can find from the employees. You know, you walk into a place and you ask, the employees will always know who their boss is. You know, mm-hmm. they can never not know. <laughs> so. It's, uh, it's one of those shocking states. And, and did it's, you find that across the industry that 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 there's, there is a real lack of black-owned businesses in a whole range of sectors? Yes, absolutely. Uh, what is most what is most distressing is that is that in South Africa, unlike unlike other other places, unlike unlike okay, unlike Malawi, like just like the president made the reference. Oh boy! <laughs> like oh Malawi. boy! Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm I'm just. Using the president, what he said, <laughs> unlike Malawi, yeah, uh, we have resources. We've got we've got spending money, you know, and and if if we can channel that spending, uh, we can be able to really transform the country. We can we can because uh, if, if if our spending if we can channel our spending correctly, we can fix everything behind the scenes. Even manufacturing, we can fix. Even agriculture, we can fix. Yeah. You know, such that we can make sure that uh, the tomatoes are eaten at home. I make sure that a black farmer, you know, if one can have that that, that, that comfort in South Africa, then we will be truly free. You know, until then, then this freedom thing will always be elusive. 
Oh, I hear you, Shazzy. Um, Shazzy, yeah. that's all we have time for. I mean, thank you so much. You've got some great insights as a businessman and as someone really trying to improve the state of, of black business in South Africa. Thanks for making time, Shazzy. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Now we're just going to go into the break. I think we have all some right. squatter camp lined up. Alright, Skota Camp there with Umoya. We're playing in memory of, of the late rapper Flava who passed away this past week. Um, just to get back into the show, we've been talking about the state of small businesses in South Africa and, and small black business in South Africa. Um, so Greg, we've talked to experts in the field, uh, their way to project and they're doing some great work there. We've talked to Ntutuko Shezi, serial entrepreneur, black business owner. And, and I mean, how do we feel now after talking about all this, about, about some of the, the government projects being rolled out? Do, do, do we think it's an okay start? One year into the small business development ministry, um, are we confident? How are we feeling? I think, uh, particularly from t- talking to the guys that are where to yeah. in the incubation project, yeah. one of the things there is that you realize, although we often malign the government and the ANC for yeah. failing to, um, for failing to take significant action um, on for for small and medium businesses size businesses, yeah. there is work going on, and the the figures that we mentioned before are in the billions. There's billions of rands being invested in trying to promote small business and and both give them financing and the skills to do the work that they need. Um, the question is whether it's going to work, and I think at, at this early stage, um, we, with only the small business ministry being around for just under a year, yeah. That, what we've seen is an acknowledgement that small business is important to the government and, and the state and the ANC has recognized its importance to the South Africa's future. Um, but obviously we need to go beyond that. And currently we're in a bit of a phase where the small business minister and, and certain state officials are still consulting around the country and, and, and provincial officials too, still consulting around the country on, on what Entrepreneurs and, and new entrepreneurs say are the problems yeah. and what needs to be done and then what feasibly needs to be done. And that raises a few other questions that, that might be difficult to answer in the long term with the ANC's, um, sometimes competing interests, um, within the alliance, um, with, with Kasatu and the SACP. So I think, I think for, for perhaps a counter narrative on, on some of these things that are going on, you can just look at the DA's proposals on, <laughs> on small business ownership. And while they do, while they do sort of appreciate the, the, what seems to be the seriousness, um, that the state is taking small, small business entrepreneurs, um, they have a few other recommendations, including, um, establishing one-stop shops for small business development in every municipality across the country. Wow, okay. Combining CEDA, CFAR, SARS, and the CIPC. Um, they also want, and this is what, what I think everybody seems to always talk about, whether it's, well, we still, I think we still need to have a lot more details on this, but cutting the off of red, red tape yeah. and, and unnecessary regulations, which there's, there's a lot of stories about, um, just, just how hard it is to register a business and how hard it is to go through all of the hoops that you need to just, just to get your business off the ground. But, and, uh, Minister Zulu has said she is concerned about, after she was appointed, she's, she said she was concerned about the reports of, um, unnecessary and overburdensome regulation. But I think we're yet to see any real, um, development on that front and specifics as to what could change. 
Um, the DA also recommends um, um, the partnering with the base Department of Basics, uh, Basic and Higher Education to push for entrepreneurship as, as a subject of schools, FET colleges and universities. And perhaps that could go back to what um, Gareth, what Gareth yeah, from Aweta was talking about, just in terms of really um, embedding uh, uh, the skills and culture of entrepreneurship in South Africa so that so that we can – more more new businesses can hit the ground running and and less of them can start can fail in their first few years and absolutely i mean i can definitely relate to what you mentioned about the red tape i mean firstly the, the stats are telling us from the doing business index that south africa dropped over the past year there's now number 61 in the world in terms of the ease of starting a business and i personally have had the experience of registering a new business and it's even with access to the internet and, and, you know, access to technology and, and best practice and so on, it, it was not very easy for me. That was that clothing label slash record company, let's, right? Let's, let's not talk about <laughs> it. Okay. Uh, the African bad boy, Sean John, did, did take off quite right. But anyway, point is, I, I, I mean, I've, I mean, not, not that it comes for too much, um, but I've experienced it and, and I can imagine what it would have been like without, without access to the internet, without access to people in my network that I know have done it before. So I, I mean, well, well, that's, yeah. that's another recommendation from, yeah. from the Democratic Alliance as yeah. well, establishing an army of small business mentors made available to small business incubators, um, and, and make them free of charge, which I think is a positive thing. Yeah, I'm not sure about the word army, but that's something Shazi brought up that. An army. Give them uniforms and everything. For him, it was less about, about incubation in a formal more sense, about but mentorship. it's more about mentorship. And if I can see somebody else do it and do it under their wing, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that he mentioned as being, being and, quite important. And, and, and I think all of these are rather, you know, Reasonably uncontroversial recommendations. Yeah. It's it's about having the the will from the states to implement them, and and really push them forward with the with the support and particularly the financial backing that it needs. We need the budget for all of these things to run as well. The the issue that I think a lot of small business owners and the, that a lot of um, critics complain about that is is more controversial mm. is reviewing the Labor Relations Act to simplify labor regulations for small businesses. You know, to make it to make it easier to hire and fire um, workers, essentially, uh, because a, a lot of a lot of small businesses now say that they're they're you know under the gun from from unions and and overburdensome. Uh, uh, Labor, labor relations regulations and that, that means that they can't, that they're not flexible enough to run their business and manage their staff as they wish. I mean, I mean, it's interesting that you bring up, um, um, organized labor because, I mean, Kosatsu is something that's been in the, in the press for the past few days. I mean, to be honest, it's been hard for me to make heads or tails of, of what's going on. I feel like it's been in the news. That was a smooth segue. Oh, that's me, man. I think it's like it's been in the news for a while and, and between the issues with Numsa and the issue with, with Zima Vambi, it's really hard to know what is the state of Kosatsu. Is Kosatsu one unified body that we can bring into conversations like this? Are they too busy in fighting? I mean, Greg, what's going on? If you could just give us a quick, quick summary of, of what is the state of what's going on at Kosatsu right now. I think, I think they are too busy in fighting yeah. and it's, it's interesting. I, I've been to a lot of Kosatsu press conferences yeah. over the last couple of years and, and I can hardly remember when they actually addressed in detail significant labor relations issues. Um, that there are many issues going on with workers right now in South Africa and there's a reason where, where there's a reason why we have quite stringent labor laws, um, that, that were won through the, through the hard work of Kosatsu and, and other movements. Absolutely. Fighting, fighting against apartheid and, and workers across the country often, often receive very low pay. They're, they're often exploited by their bosses. They face issues of racism at work. Um, and, 
And 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 despite our you know our quite progressive laws, there's there's still a lot of problems at, at the at the workplace level. And while while individual unions some are addressing certain particular issues, individual affiliates of Kasatu are still ongoing with their work. Kasatu as a as a federation, I think has been paralysed by the infighting. The really has has stemmed from the from the period before the ANC conference in Mangong in 2012, yeah. and that goes back to Kasatu, and that goes back to Kasatu's um, perhaps politicisation of the Labour Federation, which is, is as a result of its of its alliance with the ANC, and and what we saw particularly is faction that's perceived to be aligned with President Zuma, yeah. led by um, the Kasatu President Suruma Dlamini, and a faction that's a little bit more critical of President Zuma and and even even the ANC's policy trajectory since democracy that has been quite neoliberal and pro business and pro capitalist. Yeah. And 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 that faction's aligned as well on Zimavavi. And so I don't know, we can go back through the last couple of years of these sort of things. <laughs> but want. but effectively what we know and what's happened is Nomsa Kasatu's biggest affiliate was expelled from the union for you know, for for certain infringements of, of what they say is the Kasatu founding principles. And with them, they've taken, I think it's, so, so there's about seven unions, I think it is, the number seems to differ as to who's in, who's out. <laughs> but there's about seven unions, Kasatu affiliates of, I think, uh, uh, of 17, who, who have also suspended their membership and, or their, their activity in boardroom politics and the boardroom meetings at Kasatu's, um, Central Executive Committee, which is the highest decision, well, the, the ongoing sort of, um, executive body in Kasatu. So, so what you've seen really is, on the one side, we have Numsa out of Kasatu, the biggest and strongest and most powerful union in the whole country. Oh, absolutely. It's not part of Kasatu anymore. It's yeah. booted out. And now they're very critical of, of Lumini and his comrades. And with them, there's, they've got other unions now, these seven in solidarity. And, and, and what we're witnessing at the same time is Vavi refusing to go to certain meetings of a Kasatu leadership. And on the sidelines, with Numsa being highly critical of both the ANC and the Kasatu leadership as it is. Um, there have been reports that they're organizing and meeting other unions and, and, and other labor federations, in, including like um, traditional opponents of, of the tripartite alliance and of Kasatu, including um, Solidarity, which is largely seen as sort of a more middle upper, middle class, let's say, union representing white workers. Mm. Um, there's there's uh, the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union. Which, um, which was, we saw established, particularly came to prominence during the Marikana massacre. And that is a staunch opponent of, of, sort, sort of Kasatu, but more particularly Kasatu's second biggest or, or the second biggest union in the country, the National Union of Mine Workers. Yeah. And, and so NUMS is going around organizing all these other unions in, in the view of potentially setting up another federation to rival Kasatu. And so, what we're seeing is, particularly with Numsa's, um, Numsa leaving Kasatu, is a sort of a, a complete fracturing and even disintegration of labor politics in South Africa that could reform into a new body that is outside of the tripartite alliance and not aligned to the African National Congress. And that would be one of the major, major um, political uh, changes, I think, and, and moments in, in democratic South Africa. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like there may be some benefit to to a dismantling of, of the tripartite alliance and, and maybe, maybe there may be some long-term merit 
in some shaking up of, of the labor side of things. Greg, you'd be best to tell us. But my worry is that in the short term, when we're having conversations like the state of small business, like the state mm. of business period, the people who should be coming to the party and helping us formulate policy and make sure that business and labor can, can both coexist mm. productively are too busy infighting. Mm. <laughs> They're too busy trying to figure out who's the biggest federation and who's going to bring mm. the most votes to the party. And I think, I think that's what I'm finding as, as most concerning for me. No, no, I think you're right. So in the long term, there's a lot of people that have said and have said for years that that we need um, our labor movements to be unaligned, not not, <laughs> not yeah, to know, or they, they can still be most labor movements around the world yeah. are political, but but often I think one of the problems is that a lot of people say is that Kasatu is is so aligned to the ANC in the yeah. state, and it's often often a breeding ground for ANC MPs, and and that that the labor movement leaders fail properly to protect their workers and, and cover worker issues because they're looking at negotiating and collaborating with the, the state and government who are their comrades in the tripartite, tripartite alliance. In the short term, um, what, what we're, I think you're exactly right, what, we, what we're likely to see is a fracturing of workers' movements and, and workers gain control um, through unions by being in numbers. And so, so once these things fracture, often, often it's Worse for the workers. So, so it, it could be better in the long term for workers. In the short term, it's hard to say, and and it could lead to to uh, a weaker voice for your working class. Absolutely. Um, that's pretty much all we have time for. Thank you so much, Greg. I mean, one one this key takeaway that I'm pretty excited about. It sounds like from our little consultation. The Ministry of Small Business Development is not off to a really bad start. It sounds like there's some of the initiatives that are trying to take off with are in the right direction. We just hope they get the, the execution right. Let's hope so. Fantastic. Greg, thanks for coming in and, and we'll be back next week to all you listeners. Thanks for making time. The Daily Maverick Show on